amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. on allhabs.net with your host, Chris G. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 157 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G at ChrisG1980 on Twitter, so give me a follow. We are Saturday, December 5th, 2015, and well, the Montreal Canadiens played uh, three games since our last episode. The Canadians have now played a total of 27 games. They have a record of 19-5-3, which gives them 41 points. They are currently 6-3-1 in their last 10 games. They are first place in the Atlantic Division. They have quite a cushion. It's nine points in front of the Detroit Red Wings. The Red Wings do have one game in hand. And then it's the Senators, 10 points behind the Montreal Canadiens. So the Canadiens are pretty comfortable. And well, how important, right now looking back, was that 9-0 start that the Canadiens had at the beginning of the season. Look at the cushion that it's given them right now. And with all the injuries to some key players from Montreal Canadiens, they need that, uh, that cushion. Habs are still first place in the Eastern Conference. They have a four-point lead on the Washington Capitals, but the Washington Capitals do have three games in hand over the Montreal Canadiens, so that's quite weird that there's a, such a, a different number of games between uh, both teams. New York Rangers are also four points behind the Montreal Canadiens, but they have played the same amount of games. In the NHL, Canadians are second place behind the Dallas Stars. Stars have 42 points, so the Canadians are one point behind them. And then right behind the Canadians are the uh, Washington Capitals, like I mentioned. So the Capitals, if they win those games in hand, well, they'll be first place in the league. But that's not the case. They have to win the games before uh, they're considered the top team in the league. If you go to sportsclubstats.com to see the Canadians' probabilities of winning the Stanley Cup. Let's go to that one first. In fact, they are the favorites 
in terms of statistically, they have a 20.1% chance of winning the Cup this year. In terms of making the playoffs, it's 99.7. So they're it's uh, it's a pretty good percentage, right? So they're almost there. And even with that cushion, it'll be really, really tough for the Canadians not to make the playoffs uh, this season. Even if they go 500 to the end of the season, they should be good uh, for uh, to make it into the playoffs. And in fact, as it stands right now, the Canadians have a 39.6% chance of winning the President's Trophy for the team with the uh, the most points. Well, Hab360, we're, we're the most informative and interactive podcast. And, well, you can reach us via Twitter at Hab360. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. The phone lines will be open for uh, most of uh, today's episode. And, well, on Hab360 on Twitter, there was a poll question that was posted And it goes as this. As a fan, how concerned are you on how concussion protocol is applied? So the choices are very concerned, somewhat concerned, or not concerned. So this is following a huge discussion following the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets earlier this week in regards to an incident with Nathan Bollier. We'll we'll talk about it a bit more in details. But I do encourage you, please participate in our poll question and we'll discuss the topic, and we'll share the results later on today's episode. Joining me in about 15 minutes' time will be Corey Desormo, managing editor of allhabs.net. So he'll be here to talk some Montreal Canadiens with us, and, well, I'll ask him the same question as our poll question to get what uh, his thoughts what his thoughts are on that uh, topic. Well, let's get to the Canadians' action on the ice. It started off on Saturday with the Canadians hosting the New Jersey Devils in the second game of a back-to-back series against the Devils. And, well, the New Jersey Devils came on top of the Canadians 3-2 to in overtime, which was incidentally the same score, but the other way around the night before that. In that game, Alex Galchenyuk scored both goals for the Montreal Canadiens. And at that point, it was his fourth consecutive game with scoring at least one goal. Let's hear from uh, Michael Condon and Max Pacioretty following the game. Yeah, 2 nothing lead going uh, with about 10 minutes left there. It's, you know, never, never want to lose a game like that. But, uh, you know, they're, they're a skilled, talented team. And, um, you know, they, they, they worked pretty hard. And they evened it up and, you know, made most of their chances in overtime. They play the right way, and uh, it's tough to get scoring opportunities and shots against a team like that. They defend really well. Um, you got to give them a lot of credit, but uh, you know we had a chance to close up that game, and uh, like I said, there's no excuse for that. So Michael Condon with uh, 28 saves in that game at the Bell Center, and while in this game, we heard Max Pacioretty talking about uh, not being able to close the game, and he found that unacceptable. It's because the Montreal Canadiens had a two-goal lead halfway through the third period of play. And then the New Jersey Devils, they scored a couple of goals to tie it up and send it into overtime. And in fact, on the tying goal, it was a blown coverage by Max Pacioretty. And then the Devils' Kyle Palmieri, he capitalized and he scored with 22 seconds remaining in the third period. And that game, after that, headed into overtime, the New Jersey Devils ended up beating the Canadians by a score of 3-2. to two. And then, well, on Tuesday night, second game in the Canadians' three-game homestand, the Columbus Blue Jackets were in town. And, well, let's hear a couple of highlights from that game. Spinning a 355 wins. Here's Thomas coming in. Folks at the bottom. Back for Subban. Now Pacioretty to Weiss again. Weiss is five. Pacioretty scores! We traded a lot of chances with them, maybe a little too uh, many. But uh, you know what? I like that we're making plays tonight. I think the plays are there to be made, and, and we made them. You know, sometimes early in the game, the play's not there. We try and force it, but as the game goes on, opens up a bit, and we saw that. And there was, uh, there was plays to be made, and I think anyone could have stepped up today. 
And well, the Montreal Canadiens were 2-1 winners over the Columbus Blue Jackets at the Bell Centre. We heard Paul Byron, who scored his third goal of the season. And on that plain fact, Christian Thomas got his first career points with, uh, with him in his NHL career. It was a great pass in front of the net, where, where Byron was able just to deflect it past the goalie. And we also heard from Max Pacioretty, who scored his 13th goal of the season. It was a game-winning goal. It was late in the third period with just over two minutes to give the Canadians the, the victory. And look at this. Montreal Canadiens have won the last four games that they've played against the Columbus Blue Jackets. And Max Pacioretty has scored all four game-winning goals. Well, talk about... Um, Talk about a Columbus Blue Jacket killer. It's uh, definitely Max Pacioretty. In terms of the game itself, it wasn't the most exciting game you could watch. And, well, the Canadians, would they have probably wanted to play better against the Columbus Blue Jackets? I think the answer to that is clearly yes. But we know what happens. The best teams... In any sport, they always find a way to win, regardless uh, on how it happens. And another example, let's go to if we look at the Thursday night football in the NFL, Hail Mary passed by uh, the Green Bay Packers in the last play of the game to win over the, the Detroit Lions. So it happens in every sport. The best teams do find a way to uh, to win. And speaking of the best teams, well, the Washington Capitals were in town on Thursday night to face the Montreal Canadiens. And, well, let's hear a couple of highlights from, from that game. It goes up in the air. Nice now. Nobody can find it. Comes back for Paul Byron. And he'll send it over to Flynn shorthanded. Brian Flynn in all. Flynn scores! That's right. Brian Flynn, third goal of the season. It was a short-handed goal in the breakaway to give the Canadiens a 3-2 win. Sorry. It was ended up being a loss of uh, three to two over the the Washington Capitals. That was the second goal uh, that the Canadians scored that night. And well, it's hard to believe. Like Brian Flint scored, that's not what Canadians have him for. But he did look good in the breakaway. Let's hear how he sounded after the game. Carried the play a lot, especially in the second. We got a lot of momentum in that um, late goal there to make it two one. Hurt us, but um, fortunate uh, fortunate to tie it up there quickly and then. Um, made a nice play on their goal for the tip and it was just one of those games where it was going to be a, a shot from the point or something like that so, um, seemed, seemed um, like it was going to decide it because their goal is playing really well and now let's hear from the coach Michel Terrier we, we played against a, a really good hockey team and uh, the thing that I appreciate is like we would carry their play I thought we uh, we play a, a hell of a game Hockey, the God was done on our side tonight. It's pretty simple. It's one of those nights. Well, if you hear the comments, if you didn't know the score and you listen to the comments of uh, Brian Flynn and the coach Michel Terrier, you'd think that the Montreal Canadiens did come out victorious in the game against the Washington Capitals. But the truth is that the Canadians did deserve that win. They were the better team on the ice on uh, Thursday. Brian Brian Holby, he was dominant. He was a difference in this game. He made 32 saves for the Washington Capitals. Michael Condon on his end, he made uh, 16 stops. And in fact, this was one of the Canadians' best games of the season. So they played really, really well on both sides of the ice. And what happened to them is what the Canadians did often last season to other teams when the Canadians, well, they used to get outshot, they used to get outplayed, and Carey Price would uh, steal the game for them. Well, on Thursday night, it was the opposite. Brian Holby stole the game for the Washington Capitals. And, well, even if you look at some uh, at some advanced stats, like I'm still not ver- well-versed in advanced stats, but I did see that in terms of scoring chances, the Canadians did outchance, I guess we should say, the Washington Capitals 25 to 14. And there's even a category that tracks high danger scoring chances. And the Canadians dominated that 14 to 3 over the Washington Capitals. So does that mean that the Capitals 
had three high danger chances and he scored on all three, it's really possible because that's really how it how it how it felt. But regardless, after the game on Thursday night, I think the Canadians uh, had to feel well about their uh, performance that night. Well, the big news in terms of off the ice for the Montreal Canadiens this week was on Monday when, well, we knew last week when we started our our last episode, episode 156, that Carey Price was out. Well, we got the news on Monday that Carey Price will be out for six weeks with a lower body injury. No more details were provided um, on the injury besides that it was a lower body. And well, is it good news? Is it bad news? Well, he he does not require surgery. Does he need it? Will he need it at the end of the season? That's who knows. Like, well, only only time will will tell. But a lot of talk when it comes to Carey Price situation, which uh, by the way, Carey Price in the uh, December seventh edition of the Hockey News, which was a, a special goalie issue, Carey Price was ranked as the best goalie in the NHL with an 8.8 rating. So they they asked 40, they submitted, uh, they asked, sorry, 10 retired NHL goaltenders to rank goalies on different categories. And well, Carey Price finished first ahead of Pecorini and Jonathan Quick. So like I was saying, there was a lot of talk whether or not Carey Price came back too soon following his uh, first stint on the injured reserve. Well, on Monday, the Canadian GM, Mark Bergevin, met the, the Montreal Canadiens, well, met the media, I should say, and was asked the exact same question. Let's hear what he had to say. No, because uh, first of all, when uh, when it did happen, you always wonder, you know, did he come back too quick? But uh, based on our doctors, based on Kerry, based on everything we had, uh, he played two games. He was fine. Practice, he was fine. He just, uh, he, it was not the reason uh, that... He got injured and he came back too quick. But I- so Mark Bergevin says no, that it wasn't. But the fact that he injured, it was the exact same injury because that was confirmed immediately by the coach, Michel Terrier. Does that bring up that question that, you know, maybe he did come back too early, that's why he injured the, at the same spot? It's uh, It's really possible. So what does that mean? That means Michael Condon gets a tap on the shoulder and once again... He will have the role of being the number one goaltender for the Montreal Canadiens. And if you look at his stats so far this season, he has a record of nine wins, three losses, and three ties with a 217 goals against average and a 915 save percentage. So if you look back, he started off well his first tint during the uh, Carey Price first uh, injury. He looked confident. He was placed well. But then after a couple of games, he started struggling. And that's when we mysteriously saw Carey Price come back. I say mysteriously. Mark Bergevin told us that he didn't come back too early, that Price was ready. Doctors told him he's ready. Carey Price played a couple of games, got hurt. Michael Condon is back in the spotlight. But the question that I'm asking myself and the question that is out there for for your listeners and our followers on Twitter is, how good has he been in the last couple of games? And I'm talking about Michael Condon here. I just want to throw out there some, some stats. Michael Condon has allowed three or more goals in six of his last eight starts. And during that period, he has a save percentage of 885 with a record of three wins, three losses, and two ties. So allowing three-plus goals... For her, uh, for that many games that often, that's not sustainable. It's not something that the Montreal Canadiens will be able to consistently win if they keep allowing three goals or more. And we all remember from previous seasons, even on 24CH, Michel Terrier will tell his guys, if we score three goals, we're going to win more games than we lose. And well, here's a statistical proof of that. Canadians have allowed three or more goals in six out of their last eight games, and, well, they've lost more games than they've won. So I'm starting to get concerned if whether or not Michael Condon can maintain, can keep this team, can do the job as a number one goalie of the Montreal Canadiens. 
I think the Montreal Canadiens, maybe they already have, but if not, I think the Canadiens should start calling other teams and look for another a backup, somebody with some more experience. Do they have confidence in Dustin Tokarski? It didn't seem like it. Dustin Tokarski was sent down to the AHL and Zach Fukali was brought up to the NHL. And let's be honest here, Zachary Fukali, unless something really disastrous happens, he won't play with the Canadians uh, in this stretch. The reason of the swap was to allow Dustin Tokarski to go to the ice caps, get some NHL action, and then come back because the Canadians later this week do have two games in two nights. So I do expect, we should expect Dustin Tokarski to play one of those two games. And well, I'm going to go with a prediction over here. I think at one point during the six-week period that Carey Price will be missing, at least for a short period of time, I don't think Michael Condon will uh, will be the number one goalie. At one point, I think whether it be Dustin Tokarski, whether it will be another goalie, I think somebody, another goalie will come in and step in for at least of a stretch to take the number one spot for uh, for Carey Price. So that's something we'll, we'll be following. You can let us know your thoughts via Twitter at Tabs360, or you can give us a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five to uh, to let us know what you think. Some other news from the Montreal Canadiens off the ice was uh, during the game against the Columbus Blue Jackets, Michel Terrier shuffled all the lines. Let's hear his thoughts on uh, why those changes were made. Uh, after the first period, I saw... Uh, uh, it's, I wanted to bring something different, something new, uh, especially to the Leonis line and to the, the Placanix line. And uh, I believe it gave us a lot of life. You know, I really like the way that uh, Pat responded playing with Davey. And uh, I really like the way that uh, Flash played with Plucky and so on. I was enjoy. I enjoyed how the guys are uh, was reacting uh, to the changes. See, we even had some sound effects on that clip with that uh, goal horn right behind Michel Terrier. Maybe he made that had that press conference during the game was on. Maybe he even missed a game winning goal that was scored by uh, by Max Pacioretty. So all the lines were shuffled except the Eller Galchenyuk and Zvena Drugetto line. So the first line for the Canadians was Max Pacioretty with Dernier and Delwis. The third line was Thomas Fleischmann with Plakainitz and Paul Byron and Devante Smith-Pelly on the fourth line with Flynn and Christian Thomas. So a lot of criticism for Michel Terrier, uh, mostly because of the fact that David Diagne was reunited with, uh, with Max Pacioretty. And for you long-time listeners, I have a theory when it comes to Michel Terrier. I know he's not the most popular coach the Montreal Canadiens have had, but my philosophy is if the Canadians are winning, I'm not going to criticize the coach regardless of the moves that he makes, whether or not I agree with him or not. So he made the changes, and while well, the Canadians ended up beating the Columbus Blue Jackets, and then on Thursday night against the Washington Capitals, arguably the Canadians played their, uh, their best game of the season. So for now, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Long term, do I think... Dernier, Pacioretty, and Dale Weiss will work? No, I, I doubt that it will. But right now, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. They won one game. They played a great game against the Washington Capitals. Let's see how, uh, that long, how long that lasts. And for now, let's give the benefit of the doubt to the coach, uh, Michel Terrier, and his, uh, and his coaching staff. Well, we're going to take our break on the other side. Corey Desermo, managing editor of allhabs.net, will join us. And, well, we'll ask him what does he think about these uh, new lines. Good idea, bad idea, who knows? We'll find out. You can reach us on Twitter at Habs360. And, well, you can reach us toll-free at one 4945 And you're listening to us from your computer on blogtalkradio.com. You scroll to the bottom of the page, and you'll be able to... Uh, join in the conversation on our chat room. This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. 
If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us for further details and information regarding this unique marketing opportunity. If you missed a recent episode of the Habs 360 podcast, visit the podcast page on allhabs.net or search Habs 360 on iTunes for our archives. Want to make sure you never miss another episode? Subscribe to Habs 360 on iTunes and all new episodes will automatically download for you. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. We are specifically interested in individuals who have education and or experience in the following areas. Sports writing, translation, editing, forum administration, social media administration, multimedia, graphic design, web development and user support, event planning, and sponsorship and marketing. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. This is the Habs 360 podcast, featured on allhabs.net. All right, welcome back. It's episode 157 of the Habs 360 podcast. My name is Chris G at Chris G 1980. And uh, joining me now to talk some Montreal Canadiens hockey is the managing editor of uh, allhabs.net. It's Corey Desermo. Hey, Corey, how are you doing? I'm great, Chris. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And, well, uh, right before the break, I was talking about uh, Carey Price and uh, Michael Condon. Uh, I, we got this tweet from uh, Gino, Gino Skinner. He he is from, who knows where he's from, doesn't write. And he writes that he's worried about uh, Michael Condon. He seems to need more shots against to stay sharp. I think he's okay, but I would target Ducks third. Okay, so he's already proposing a trade, but the gist of it is that Gino is worried long-term about Michael Condon. What about you? Do you think that he can hold the fort during Carey Price's absence? Well, I think uh, I think it's safe for I think it's safe for most fans to to start being a little hesitant and um, I guess a little bit concerned and worried. I don't know that that I am personally quite yet. I know Condon had a had a great um in his first stint had a came out to a real hot start and then there was some chatter about him slowing down, you know, being fatigued both physically and mentally. And um you know, I, I think there's I, I think from a trade front, I I don't know that we'll see Bergevin go out and acquire someone for for a couple reasons. And and I think for, first off, they think that the Montreal Canadiens are in a position to to contend for the Stanley Cup. And I don't think Bergevin is the type of player that's going to give up too many assets for a part-time solution. And I think if he does do that, it'll be at the trade deadline to perhaps get some more scoring or something. I don't think he wants to get rid of his assets too quickly, especially to get a goalie that might you know, start for the next month or so. And I think that Condon is doing... Um, I think you said over the last stretch there he's three and three, and I think um you know I think there's I think there's a lot to be said about how the Habs are playing this season in front of their goaltending as comparison to last year, and they're not relying on their goalie as much as they were you know with having a positive course you percentage throwing more pucks towards the net than their opponent is a big 
piece of why they're winning games, and they have the leading, they're leading the league in uh, goal differentials. So I think there's a lot to be said about how the Montreal Canadiens are playing this year in comparison to last year. So I don't think we're going to see a trade. And I think you touched on it briefly before I jumped on um, on the pod. You talked about Tukarski and the trust that the organization has and how there might be a lack of that. And I think you're right. And I'm, non- I'm, I'm unsure if they think Fukali is ready to kind of step in. And I know they're kind of giving Tukarski a bit of a conditioning stint right now in the HL. So, you know, I, I, I don't think a trade is... I don't think a trade is coming. And I think we need to... I think with Condon, we need to be a little more patient given the fact that you know, he's a little bit older for a rookie, but at the same time, he's he's still a young goaltender. This is his first, you know, opportunity in the NHL. There's a lot of pressure playing in Montreal to begin with, even more pressure playing behind the best goalie in the world. So let's give him a bit more time. I think they'll reevaluate around the Christmas break how Condon's doing and, and you know, if he hasn't, you know, if they're still 500 with Condon in the net, then maybe the organization says, you know, depending on where price is at, they might look to do something. But I don't personally don't think that's going to happen. Now the Canadians are facing the uh, Carolina Hurricanes tonight at seven o'clock. Uh, there was no practice this morning, and there was no media availability, so we we won't know until uh, game time what the lineup will be. But if we base it on uh, Thursday night's game against the Washington Capitals. There was a line of uh, Max Pacioretty, David Dernay, and uh, Dale Luis. So I asked this question early on the week on uh, Twitter, and because I'm not sure what the answer is, so I want to get your opinion on it. Uh, did Dernay and Luis get promoted to the first line, or did Max get demoted down to the third line? <laughs> That's a really good question. I think based on their ice time on um, against the Capitals this week, I think... Dehane and uh, Dale Weiss got promoted um, to play with Pacioretty. But whether this is a good idea or not, it's 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 sort of hard to say. I think um, you know I think Pacioretty is the type of player that can really play with anybody, and he really makes his line click regardless of of who it's with. And if you look back to last season and you look at Pacioretty's numbers with Dehane and you compare them to his numbers this year with Placanic, they're relatively the same. Their goals for per 60, Pacioretty's goal for per 60 with DeHarnay last season was 2.9. This season with Placanic, it was 2.8. Goals against with DeHarnay was 1.5. It's the same with Placanic. And their core C4 percentage is at 64%, both last year and this year. The biggest difference, the biggest difference was Pacioretty's deployment and we saw it again against Washington, is that when he's playing with Placanic, his uh, offensive zone starts are under 50%. So he's starting about 47% of his face-offs in the offensive zone. Whereas he's playing with DeHarnay, that goes up to about 65%. So he has a much more favorable deployment when he's playing with DeHarnay, but he's producing in the same manner. And I think it's important to note that both Placanic and DeHarnay's numbers have dropped when they're playing away from Pacioretty. I mean, it's a small sample size this year for Placanic, but at the same time, we know that they've dropped. Um, so I don't think it, you know, I don't want to say I don't think it matters. I think it's a bit troubling that the Lions would get juggled, especially if they get juggled long-term, because the Habs are still rolling. They're still putting goals in the net. I think from the new Placanic line perspective, playing with Flash, I think, and and with Byron, I think they need more time especially to develop some chemistry. Uh, you know, two new players to the team, whereas, you know, DeHarnay and Reese have been with the club for a while now. You know, they're 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 comfortable in the room. They're comfortable on the ice. They understand each other's tendencies. So you're going to see that line click right away. I think Michelle Therrien has the habit of going back to that line. Everybody sort of knows that. But I think Placanic we're going to have to be a little patient with. And he's proven time and time again that he can play with anyone. Um, and you know, you know, the running joke is that Placanic never knows which winger he's going to have, and he, you know, he's never playing with wingers that can score, and that's why most people were so excited to see him play with Pacioretty, and I think he benefited from that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how long these lines stay together. I think you're correct in what you said before I jumped on the pod, and that if this is a short-term solution to get a bit of a spark, I think that's fine. I think it's great to juggle the lines every once in a while, but. I don't know if it's the long-term solution. And I think 
on the positive side for the Galchenyuk line not getting split up. I think that was a big boost of confidence from Terrier, um, you know, to understand that that line is working really well. And I think Andrew Ghetto has done a lot of good things since going on that line. And he's actually leading the team in goals, uh, goals four per 60. Obviously, he has a smaller sample size than than uh, the rest of the club. But I think it's a positive thing. So I, I think if this is a sh- if the line juggling is a short-term thing, I think it's great to get a bit of a spark and change things up. And um, what I'm really interested to see tonight, however, is if uh, Daniel Carr gets into the lineup. Because I don't know if they've confirmed that yet, but I think there was a bit of chatter as to whether he would get in or not. And who would you see coming out? Would you see uh, Thomas, which would be the easiest solution? Or do you see somebody else like maybe Devonta Smith-Pelly getting out of the lineup? Yeah, I think I think uh, Smith Pelly is in a bit of the doghouse right now, um, but I do think Thomas would be the player to come out, and I think Carr is the type of player that um, that Michelle Terrier could could really fall in love with. You know, I, I don't think you have to look further than players like Weiss and, and Byron, who whose work ethic is really, and I mean a more prominent player like Gallagher, whose work ethic is through the roof, skates fast, knows where to be, just a smart hockey player. And um, I think it'd be interesting. It'd be interesting to see Carr in the lineup, even if he's playing with Flynn on the fourth line. Uh, I'd be interested to see if, um, you know, if the, if the Habs get into a bit of a penalty trouble and, and Carr was able to take a shift or two up on a on a higher line. I'm interested to see uh, to see where that goes. And uh, going back to uh, Sven Andrigetto, uh, it seems like you said ever since he's been on the line, the line has been on fire, especially Alex Galchenyuk. Uh, we've always heard Mark Bergevin say that if a youngster or a prospect plays well enough, he earns a spot, that he'll make room for him. Do you think mm-hmm. we're at that point now that Zvena Drugetto has earned himself a spot with the Montreal Canadiens? I I think so. I, I definitely think so. I, 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 I'm interested to see what happens if that line does hit a bit of a funk. Who moves off the line? You know, I think... I think Eller is often um, the punching bag for Michel Terrier sometimes. Um, he seems to have certain players like that on the roster that, you know, move down in the lineup constantly. And I think Eller's usually the player, but I'm interested to see if he goes after Andrew Ghetto or not. And I think that'll be the moment when we sort of find out the true answer of how the team feels about Andrew Ghetto and specifically Terrier. And if Bergevin sees that Terrier has the faith in Andrew Ghetto, then we might see a move potentially happen. And I I don't know who they'd look to to ship out to make room, but um, but I think that's when we'll know is if that line gets in a bit of a funk. And um, last week after uh, Mark Benjamin was announced that his contract did get extended, you wrote a piece on nohabs.net about uh, Mark Benjamin. So I'm going to make you go at a little bit of a prediction time here. Uh, do you think that during Mark Bergevin's tenure, he'll be able to bring the Canadians, okay, maybe not to a Stanley Cup, to win a Stanley Cup, but at least to the Cup final, or at least become like a real contender to the Stanley Cup? I think I, I think so. I, completely honest with you, and sure, I'm a little biased, but I actually think the team is, I, I think the team is there. They just need that one little boost. And I think with Price coming back, if he comes back fully healthy, whether it's at the end of January or at the beginning of February, that could put the team over the hump. And I think um, I think the players understand that they're close. I think the organization understands that they're close. I think Terrier's style of coaching this season um, says it all. And he has the faith in the team that they've built. Um he has faith in the responsibility of each of his players, and I think that's why you see, you know, uh, um, a guy like Semin coming in and out of the lineup because that trust factor is so huge. And Terry is the type of coach where if you have his trust, he'll get rewarded. And I think all the players that are playing at this moment have Terry's trust. So I think from from an organizational standpoint, they're they're ready. I think from a personnel standpoint, they're ready. Um, from goal to forward, um, so I, I I think they're there, and I think Bergevin. I think I wrote in the piece how, you know, I've been I've been following the Habs for 
you know, nearly two decades, and it's felt like almost two decades of mediocrity, and I finally feel like they're at a point where they're over. They've gone from mediocre to great, and I, uh, I think once Price comes back, we'll we'll see whether they're whether they're going to contend for a cup or not. And uh, one last question before uh, before we let you go. Our yeah. Hat 360 poll question is, well, we know this week there was a lot of attention on the concussion protocol uh, following the, the fight between uh, Nick Foligno and Nathan Bollier uh, earlier this week at the Bell Center. And the question is, as a hockey fan, how concerned are you about the application of the concussion protocol? And the three options that we had on our poll question is, very concerned, somewhat concerned, or not concerned. So what would be your answer to that question? Uh, I will say very concerned, and I will. I promise you I will go and vote on the poll as soon as I'm off. And uh, I, the reason why I say that is, I mean, I don't have a medical background or I don't have any sort of medical context to, to really determine or diagnose concussions as they see them on TV. But what I will say is that the NHL needs to take as many measures as possible to ensure that they're taking the necessary precautions. And I think it's part of the NHL's responsibility, and I think it also falls on the players, and I think it also falls on the coaches. And I know that's sort of a a cliche answer, but, you know, I think you'll see, and you see it a bit in the NFL, is like players are sort of developing these little, like, tips and tricks to pass concussion protocol. And I think if we're speaking specifically to Beaulieu's incident, I don't think there's any way that he should have gone to the penalty box. And I don't, I, I don't think there. I think it's just responsibility of the players. I think the referees that were on the ice, the coaches that are on the bench, and the league officials that were in the stands. One of them surely saw, if I could see it on my television, when he got rocked from a punch to the head, his knees buckled. He went to the ice. That perhaps. Nathan Beaulieu had a concussion, and perhaps he shouldn't be going to the penalty box, and he should be going straight to the concussion protocol, in through the dressing room. So those are just my those are just my thoughts on the Beaulieu incident. But I would say I'm concerned. I think just for like the health of the players, both short term and long term, and I think there's a collective responsibility amongst everyone who's on the ice, everyone who's in the press box, everyone who's on the bench, and that's sort of my take on it. Perfect. Thank you very much for joining us, Corey. We do appreciate it. No problem, Chris. Thanks again for having me. No problem. Okay, talk to you soon. All right, so that was uh, Corey Desormeaux, managing editor at uh, allhabs.net, uh, joining us for uh, for his opinion on the Montreal uh, Canadiens. So just a couple of takeaways from that uh, discussion. So the question that I asked Corey about whether or not Dale Weiss got promoted or Max got demoted well on Twitter, under a response from uh, from Ian, who is in Montreal, and he writes himself on Twitter as a lifelong fan of the Montreal Canadiens. He thinks that Max getting to play with David Dernay is a promotion for Max Pacioretty. So that's quite the interesting take. Uh, I... I that wasn't one of the options, but he thinks that's what it was—a promotion for Max Pacioretty. So, so, so that's quite interesting. And uh, our our friend Tony, you, if you were listening to Corey and heard him saying that the team has a personnel, has a staff, has a leadership team to go to the Stanley Cup final, I'm sure he'd be up and at it because, well, we all know that Tony isn't a fan of uh, the coach Michel Tenu, and he thinks that he definitely isn't. It, the coach of the Canadians need to go to to, uh, to that step. All right, so we're going to take our break on the other side, our winners and our losers of the week, and we'll tackle uh, more of your tweets. You can send them in at HAPS360. You can also give us a call at 1-877-455-4945, and we'll discuss about our poll question of the week from HAPS360 Twitter account. Go ahead and vote. The question is, as a fan, how concerned are you on how concussion protocol is applied? This is the Habs 360 podcast featured on allhabs.net. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net. 
your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. Habs 360 is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. Hi, I'm Chris G. The Habs 360 podcast and Anthony from r2canvas.com are pleased to announce the return of the Habs contest this season and will give you the opportunity to win a great prize courtesy of r2canvas.com. Listen to the Habs 360 podcast and follow Habs 360 and Habs Happy on Twitter as more details on the Habs contest will be announced soon. For high-quality canvas art at a reasonable price, visit r2canvas.com. Don't live close to Montreal? Ever feel like you're the only Habs fan in town? Chances are good that there are plenty of fellow fans just around the corner. And HabsTweetUp.com will help you find them. If you're interested in hosting a hockey party in your city, visit HabsTweetUp.com for more details. You'll be connected to other Habs fans near you in no time. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com This is the Habs 360 Podcast, featured on allhabs.net. And now it's time for this week's winners and losers on Habs 360. All right, welcome back. I'm Chris G at Chris G 1980 on Twitter. And it's time now for our winners and losers of the week. You can let us know yours via Twitter at Hab360. You can also give us a call at one eight seven seven four five five forty nine forty five. So we do have some action on our Twitter account. We'll get to them in a, a couple of moments right after we go and talk about our winners and our losers of the week. So this week we'll begin with our nominees for the winners. And while the first well, we say nominees. I should say the first runner-up, right? So the first runner-up is Noah Julson from uh, the Everett Silvertips in the WHL, Canadians' most recent first-round uh, draft pick, because this week he got invited to Team Canada World Junior Hockey Championship camp, which will be held between December 10th to the 14th. So we'll keep an eye out on him and see if he makes uh, the team and played during the uh, holiday season. Our second runner-up is Michael Bourneval, who he hasn't played this season due to concussions, even missed uh, parts of last season due to a concussion. Uh, And honestly, I I doubt that he'll play in Montreal this season. In fact, I'll be surprised if he ever plays a game with the Montreal uh, Canadiens in his uh, career. And it's quite a shame because it seems like the concussions that he suffered throughout his career has affected his uh, play. And while the Canadians placed him through waivers earlier this week, he wasn't picked up and he was uh, sent to uh, the ice caps where he'll play with them probably for the remainder of the season. Let's hear what the coach had to say about uh, Bournival earlier this week. This is prior to a Tuesday night's game against the Blue Jackets. Uh, good for him, you know what uh, he's been through a lot uh, almost a year now, you know so uh to be able to be able to be able to practice first of all with the team, it's a big step for him, and uh, we'll go from there. but most important thing for uh, Borney it's uh, that he's healthy again. that's the most important thing and I definitely do echo the coach's thoughts, so that's why he's a nominee, sorry, I render up for the winner of the week because I think it's great news that Bourneval is back and is able to play some hockey regardless if it's with the uh, ice caps in the AHL. 
Next runner-up is Alex Galchenyuk, who he had another great week with the uh, Montreal Canadiens. Keller banks it off the boards, back to the blue line. Comes a high shot, score! The goal would be huge for Montreal in a one nothing lead now. Here's a backhander Yeah, he's playing well. You know, he's uh, really dynamic, and um, he certainly deserves to get success because he's working hard. And there we heard Alex Galchenyuk, who scored both goals against the New Jersey Devils last weekend. It was the sixth and seventh goal of the of the season. He also got an assist against in the game against the Washington Capitals. And well, the clips that we heard, I'm going a bit off topic here. It was the voice of Bob Cole, and if you listen carefully, Bob Cole had no idea who scored the goal both uh, <laughs> both times. And with that being said, Galchenyuk, five goals, three assists in his last seven games, so he's definitely on fire, and we heard Corey earlier on, and I do agree with his statement that Sven Andrigetto definitely has been an important part of the reason why he Galchenyuk's success, and at the same time, uh, Lars Zeller, he had a great game on Thursday night against the the Capitals. Let's hear earlier this week what the coach had to say about that line. Like we uh, we've been saying since uh, Ghetto is with us, you know, there's good chemistry, they create chances, they got good support, they got a lot of poise and they got a lot of speed. So uh, that's a pretty good combination. So, yes, that's been a, a great line and a definitely good sign of uh, a nice sign of respect and confidence shown to them by not uh, switching that line. And well, our winner for the winner, our winner for the winner of the week goes to the city of Longueuil. If you're listening to us outside of the province of Quebec or outside of the greater Montreal area, Longueuil is on the south shore of Montreal, still considered part of the greater Montreal area. Well, on Tuesday, one year later, after his passing, the city of Longueuil renamed Victoria Street after Canadian legend Jean Beliveau. He lived on Victoria Street after, for, for 50 years, so he was there for a good chunk of his, uh, of his life. And well, it's hard to believe that it's already been one year since uh, Beliveau has passed away. And I would invite you that last year here on HAP360, we had a tribute to Jean Beliveau. So I do suggest that you go check our archives to find that episode. Search on HAP360 and allhabs.net. And the tribute show included a story from Rick, from Rick Stevens, who's normally on, his story on uh, what happened when he met Jean Beliveau a couple of years back. All right now, time for our runners-up for losers of the week. The first one goes to, well, the fans, the vote for the All-Star game. And the, the reason behind it is I'm not sure if this was started out of uh, Arizona. I doubt it because there's probably a handful of fa- hockey fans in Arizona. Well, John Scott is getting a lot of votes from the fans to the point where John Scott had to send out a um, a communique and suggested that, you know what, maybe some other of his teammates deserve to be there uh, before him. John Scott has played seven games and has gotten one assist with the uh, Arizona Coyotes. And well remembers what happened last year with the Gergensen from the Buffalo Sabres, where it seems like all of Latvia voted Gergensen in. So I think the process uh, should be revised. And I think if the league wants the fans to be voting, they should only let fans that attend the game. So you go in the arena and you get a ballot and you vote. I think that's where you'll get uh, better and more accurate results than what we're seeing right now in the NHL. Our second runner-up, well, I need to explain a bit of a context around this. Uh, a couple of days ago, Elliot Friedman said that they think that Carey Price got injured during the October 29th game of the Canadiens versus the Edmonton Oilers. During the warm-up, Carey Price stepped on a puck, and that's what caused the injury. So the second runner-up is that puck that's injured Carey Price for for so long. Our next runner-up for Losers of the Week 
is, well, I should say are the officials on the game between the Canadians and the Columbus Blue Jackets earlier uh, this week, Kelly Sutherland and Kevin Pollock, for a couple of reasons. One, in the first period, Alexi Emlin was given a five-minute major and ejected out of the game for an interference call. And, well, I think that was a little too severe. And Alexi Emlin, we know that every time there's a game ejection, the, the incident is reviewed by the league, and there was no hearing, no suspension, no fine against Alexi Emlin. And the debate here... I think we all agree that at least a penalty should have been called. A two-minute minor would have been enough. A five-minute major was excessive. Same time to the same duo, Sutherland and Kevin Pollock. Another reason is, well, Nick Foligno stuck out the knee, hit Thomas Fleischman. No penalty was called, and that led to Nathan Bollier uh, dropping the gloves against Foligno. And then we all know what happened there. We spoke about it earlier Uh Bollier was knocked knocked down. And well, our our loser of the week, I'm going to put that to uh, the everything that has to do with headshots. So it got a lot of at least media attention this week. It started off with uh, from CTV and W5 Rick Westhead. They published some uh, emails, some redacted emails between league officials and the league GMs, etc. And, well, for that part, the league does get a mention for being a loser, for not doing, didn't seem like doing much for the players. And it was even an email exchange, I think it was between Milbury and Colin Campbell, where they said, well, we're trying to promote hatred, we're trying to promote rivalries, etc. So, headshots takes a, takes a back seat. So, so that was part A on headshots this week because f- the next day is when the bowyer foligno incident happened. And while following that game, Mitchell Terrier was asked to discuss whether or not Bowyer was concussed. Let's hear his answer. He, he served his five minutes. He came back uh, with 50 seconds left. He didn't go on the ice. Uh, I know he did the protocol between the second and third. He felt really good. And he played a hell of a third period. So after the game, the media bombarded Michel Terrier with questions on uh, on the protocol, on what happened with Nathan Bowie. Because after the fight where he did appear to get knocked, knocked out, Bowie went to the penalty box, served a five-minute major, and then it was the end of the period. And then he came out for the third. So officially they said that uh, he followed the protocol during the uh, the intermission. And well, the reason why I'm putting this whole attention to headshots as a loser of the of the week, and that leads basically to uh, to the question that uh, our poll question on Twitter is, and even all those questions that were asked to the coach after the game, those sh- those questions shouldn't have been bombarded to to the to Michel Temi. I think those should have been bombarded to the medical staff of the Montreal Canadiens or some kind of an official release from the Canadiens, etc. But the media was there and they bombarded them and you asked them and you're asking them and you're asking questions about uh, Bollier and that incident to the point where Michel Terry changed the subject and he said, well, you know, guys, we played a great game and we won that game. So he had to change the, the topic. And that's where it got inspired because I wanted to know, is the concussion protocol more important to the media than it is to the fans and the poll on the Hat360 Twitter account was as a fan how concerned are you on how concussion protocol is applied and well as of right now there was three options so 30% of the respondents said they're very concerned on how it's applied 27% said somewhat concerned and 43% said they are not uh, concerned at all of how the concussion protocol is applied and uh, Corey did say earlier in, in the podcast that he was very concerned. I'm going to go the other extreme saying that I'm, I'm not concerned on how it's uh, applied. And I need to explain my thoughts around it. Is Definitely, I, I don't want anything to uh, to happen to the players, regardless who, who they are. Like I do want them to be in, in safety. But if there's a problem with headshots, if there's a problem with, uh, with anything, with fighting in the game, etc., I think it's uh, the players 
need to deal with it with the league. It's not up to the fans. It's not up to the media to to resolve this. The headshots players do. Uh, they hit each other on the head. They're the ones that fight amongst each other. So that's why I think that this is if it's such a big problem, the league and the players need to solve this amongst themselves. It's not something that the fans, the media, need to get involved and try to influence any decision. Personally, uh, I think the fans do like physical play, like a good body check, etc. But will fans stop watching the game because uh, there's no headshots, because there's no fighting, etc.? I don't think it would have that much of an impact to um, to the game, to the popularity of the game. So that is why I think that this needs to be handled amongst the league and amongst the the, the players themselves. So for that, that is the reason why my losers of the week is all the attention, all the media attention that was given to headshot and concussions and, well... That's about it. Let us know your thoughts at Habs360, and we'll definitely be interacting with uh, with our followers during the episode or even uh, any time during the week. So there was some lots of action on uh, Twitter, so let's go through your Twitter responses. First, when it comes to the Canadians' new lines, Jose from uh, Pentington, BC, he writes, it's obvious that Pacioretty is more comfortable with Dernay, Fleischman wasn't the same without Dernay either. Periodic change isn't bad. Wayne from Belize, he writes, appears Patches does not mind playing on the third line. So there you go. So Wayne appears that he that the Max got demoted down to uh, to the third line. David Windsor, he writes from uh, St. John's, Newfoundland. Hopefully gets a chance to watch the Ice Caps. He he actually sent us out some his line combinations. He put Patrick Gautrenyak and Andrew Guerrero as one line. Fleischman with Blakanitz and Byron, Dernay with Eller and Weiss, and Devante Smith Pelly with Flynn and Thomas. So he's going with a route where you put the Canadians number one center or I guess future number one center with their their top score. And I, I'll tell you the truth. Um, they're not bad. These uh, these lines, I definitely, I, I wouldn't be upset if the Canadians did try those uh, those lines. Gino, he writes, he hates them. The DB line was working great, so leave them alone. Patrick Galchenyuk should be paired up. Play Smith Pelly with them for now. Play Eller, Plekanec, and Drigetto for now. But the changes I want to see most are on defense. Bouillier with Subban and have them play 25 minutes. Markov with Petrie and Tenorti and and uh, Gino, he wants Canadians to trade Amblin to the Ducks for a couple of players and trade Gilbert and Flynn for, to the Sabres. So Gino, we have a future general manager here preparing his, uh, his trades. The next tweet comes from uh, Andy, Andy Obey. So, so this is in regards to the concussion protocol. He writes, that he is very concerned, but I trust the staff to do the right thing. So thank you very much for the tweet, Andy. And the last tweet comes from Robin Saunders in regards to being worried about Michael Condon. And she writes that she's not overly worried. We'll see if he possesses staying power over the next few weeks. So Robin is going to be patient and give a try to uh, to Michael Condon. So thank you very much, everybody, for your tweets. They're all definitely uh, appreciated. Canadians playing three games until our next episode. Starts off tonight at 7 o'clock. Canadians in Carolina to face the Carolina Hurricanes, a game that could be seen coast-to-coast on uh, Sportsnet and TVA Sports. Wednesday night game. It's an original six matchup between the Bruins and the Canadians. The Canadians are at home. A game that could be seen coast to coast on Sportsnet and to viewers in Belleville East on RDS to 7:30 p.m. start Thursday night. Second game in second night. So is that when we'll see Dustin Tokarski play? Really possible at 7:30 o'clock start Eastern Time. Canadians are in Detroit to face the Detroit Red Wings. A game that will be only available to viewers in Belleville East 
on uh, City TV Montreal and on uh, RDS. So I want to thank Corey Desormeau who joined us to give us his thoughts on the Montreal Canadiens. And if you missed it or missed part of it, you can search on the archives on the uh, podcast page on the allhaves.net. Thank you, everybody, who to, who sent us your tweets. Happy birthday to the Montreal Canadiens earlier this week. They became 106 years old. And, well, it was also a 20, the 20-year 20 anniversary of the uh, Patrick Watt trade. But I think we're all over it, all over that trade. Uh, I think we got over it. We moved on 20 years later. I think we can forget about it, but it's still a... Um, landmark anniversary of uh, that incident. So coming up next week, we'll be looking ahead to the game between the Montreal Canadiens and the Ottawa Senators. And well, Rick will be back and we'll have a nice caps report as he was visiting them out of town. My name is Christy at Chris1980. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Back next Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern. See ya. For the latest news on the Montreal Canadiens, follow us on Twitter at Habs360 and visit allhabs.net. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.